2: to
1: just being me in winehouse back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson, rated R under seventeen Night Minute Without Parent only in theaters May seventeenth.
0: You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sens.
4: Good morning, peeps, and welcome to OKF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, there are times when I think to myself, God, there must be a bottom, right? Like, there has got, like, we cannot keep drilling down to the earth's core of fuckery, right? That with Republicans, At some point, we've got to hit bottom and begin the slow, dark ascent up from the ocean's floor back up to the surface. But no, no, every fucking time that I think that we've reached it, this is it. We're going to begin the ascent. It's been dark. It's been crazy. It's been scary. It's been violent. But no, no. We're going to make the turn and make our way to the surface. And then they go ahead and just keep fracking, keep drilling, drill, baby, drill, as Sarah Palin once said, right? That's what they're doing. They're drilling to the core of our values, our beliefs, the truth, just drilling through. Because here we are where you have sitting members of Congress, Republicans in both the House, led by their fisher Prize speaker, Kevin McCarthy, and led, you guys know, quotations, and folks in the Senate talking about Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg and the fact that an indictment for Donald Trump, mind you, is looming not just in New York, but with the Department of Justice, if that ever comes to fucking fruition, with Fonnie Willis down in Georgia, if that ever happens and the GOP doesn't remove her from her position uh, before she's able to do that. But the fact that you would have Kevin McCarthy go on these bullshit conservative talk shows And say that what Alvin Bragg is doing, which, by the way, is his job, to investigate crime, which was taken over by his predecessor. And if you've been listening to Woke AF for quite some time, you know that Alvin Bragg has never been my favorite person. I think it's laughable when you have people like Elise Stefanik referring to him as a progressive, radical DA. Um, Check his record. That ain't it. Right. I wish it was. But radical, progressive? Nah. Nah. That ain't that dude. And I went after him when after Cy Vance left and he came into office uh, and the two top prosecutors quit and he had the one that wrote a book about Alvin Bragg being like, no, there's not enough evidence here. So we're not moving through with this case on Donald Trump. Turned around and surprised me, right? Rightfully so. And said, but we have enough on this. We're moving through with a grand jury on the campaign finance on the financial crimes and lies that Donald Trump used to silence Stormy Daniels that Michael Cohen went to jail for. And you have these Republicans like Kevin McCarthy, like Rand Paul, that are threatening, right, the district attorney, that are using their positions of power to say that they're going to defund the Manhattan DA's office, that they're going to haul him in in front of the committee and subpoena him in for questioning. And I'm like, y'all are the same motherfuckers who didn't give a fuck whether or not the Trump administration was coming in and obliging subpoenas, right? Like y'all, they said deuces. They said, fuck you, sue me, right? And unfortunately, the Democrats did not have the brass, the backbone and the ovaries that it fucking takes to actually see through with suing folks who didn't show up for subpoenas, right? Outside of Steve Bannon. So I gotta say that their defense of Donald Trump At this stage of the game, I'm like, this is the fucking family values party, right? The quote unquote family values. This man has been married. I don't know how many times, how many different kids from how many different babies, mothers. And then four months after his now current wife gave birth to their son, fucked a porn star. And this is the fucking cross you want to bear? This is the motherfucker you want to defend. This also coming from the law and order crowd that like, it's all about law and order and giving cops the authority and the right to beat the shit out of strangle, kill, shoot unarmed black people, shoot, harm, kill protesters, exercising their right to assemble You're all good, fine, with law and order, law and order there. But when it comes to following the fucking law, you want to go to bat for somebody that's been skirting the law and has had the ability to do so because he's rich, because he's white, because he's powerful, and because he is cis. Give me a fucking break. And again, with these bullshit journalists, That when they sit down and I'm not talking about the right wing media, I'm talking about when they want to do the quote unquote Sunday shows on ABC, CBS, and NBC, when they're sitting down for these interviews, where's the fucking follow-up when Mike Pence wants to say the district attorney should be paying attention to the crime spree happening in New York. Motherfucker, there ain't no crime spree here. Crime has been going down, right? Right. So stop with your continued fear-mongering of liberal blue cities. We're doing okay over here. How about you check your backyard? How about Ron DeSantis check what's going on in Florida? How about you have Hillbilly Elegy, J.D. Vance, check what's happening in Ohio? Don't come checking for us in New York. We're good. So I appreciate Alvin Bragg's team. Coming out real swift and saying we're not gonna be intimidated. Right? Now, you know, forgive me, and I'm ugh, I this is not about Merrick Garland's sloth ass. But when it comes to the case that Fonnie Willis is building, and when it comes to the case that Alvin Bragg is building, there is a reason I see now, right, as we're watching the weaponization of the Republican Party their power and platform to go after notable black, right? Attorneys and their offices to try and take them down, to try and do the Trump playbook of character assassination, flood the zone with shit, Steve Bannon, and see what sticks. And once again, it is going to be the media who allows them to get away With bullshit, because God forbid you ask a follow-up question, then maybe they won't return to your little show and you won't get the little boost in ratings. Maybe you should start thinking about our fucking democracy and what happens to the media industry when you have a Ron DeSantis that becomes president of the United States because of all your warm and fuzzy coverage, what he's going to do to the fourth estate. Exactly what he's doing down in Florida, which is disallowing the different media outlets that he doesn't like, that doesn't cover him favorably to even be able to question him at all or do what the Trump administration did, which is just, you know, stop press briefings altogether and stop the access. So the ability to have transparency, wake the fuck up. Ugh, I feel better having gotten that off my chest. What about you? Coming up next, friends, my conversation with our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzel, to talk about yes, Rand Paul again, and the fact that he tweeted out a picture with him, which originally i was I was wrong. I referred to the young man in the photo as his son uh, it is not his son, it is the son of one of his constituents who was reprimanded at his school for wearing an AR fifteen American flag sweatshirt. Yeah. So Dr. Jonathan Metzl and I will get into that conversation coming up next.
0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating Pride and the queer community all year. Queer-founded, queer-run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com.
3: The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher.
4: Folks, you know that whenever we have the opportunity to speak with our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzel, I am always thrilled. And Jonathan, I want to start off today with a tweet that I sent you that I saw earlier in the week. And it was from actress Yvette Nicole Brown, who, you know, I enjoy her work a lot. And it's a picture, for folks who haven't seen it, it is a picture of an angry mob of mostly white women. And... In the picture, it is with regard to Ruby Bridges. And it reads this, the people who threw rocks at Ruby Bridges for trying to go to school in 1960 are now upset that their grandchildren might learn about them throwing rocks at Ruby Bridges for going to school. And I said, quote retweeted, and I said, this shit doesn't end. Racism doesn't die. And so I just want you to speak to that fact that this history, Ruby Bridges is 60 years old. And this is the history that they want us to deny. So I want you to just speak to that.
2: Well, you know, I, I guess I have grown up, you know, as many people like us who grew up in the aftermath of the 60s thought that we were in a kind of progress narrative. You know, we, we were unenlightened before. And then we realized that our country was much better with equality for all these reasons and people fought for their rights and for their, you know, seat at the table. And then we had a, you know, more political representation, more education. And so you always think of progress as being like a kind of straight line from down to up. And what we're seeing is that that is not, (laughs) that is not necessarily true that a lot of the battles that people were fighting in the 1960s are still being fought and in education. It's just so shocking that education, that kind of getting people to turn on education, which is, you know, the core of the civil rights movement of the sixties. It just, you know, it, it, I think people, it's just taken people a lot of, a lot of just bandwidth to realize that that was even still an issue. Like we're really still not going to teach people. We're still not going to teach people about our history, but it just, it really does feel like a lot of the issues are on Redux. Now I will also say, I'm talking to you from Tennessee Mm -hmm, and we've had, we've had, We've had the, probably the you know about as bad as as Florida has been Tennessee. I mean, we're having all these anti history and anti sexuality, anti education kind of bills happening here. Um, we'll see what happens. But there was a huge concert uh, that we filled Bridgestone Arena last night. You know, tens of thousands of people came out. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of unhappiness. People, I mean, the energy I felt last night in Nashville of people basically saying we're not going to go back there um, was was pretty deep but it really does feel like we're just we're just back to fighting the same issues. so that that's point number one and then number two is like if you're going to take black history off the map like think of all the stuff we've grown up with that you can't teach like can you teach that there was segregation in baseball can you teach the jackie robinson story no can you teach i mean you know, not teaching about slavery is like a pretty big part of our history of this particular country, um, but all these things that are just kind of standard components of like here's what it means to be an American is to learn from the errors of our past so we don't make them again. And once you take that off the map, you're looking at a you're looking at a pretty weird telling just of a, American history with a a lot of very real gaps and a lot of people and experiences erased.
4: What I find really stupid right? About what is happening right now. Because I have rage. Uh, I have a lot of rage, particularly as a former educator. But what I find really stupid in the age of, you know, the fact that our phones are a little computer that we have in our hands is this idea that kids won't know, right? That the erasure goes so far as to just deny people access to any type of information. It's like, we're taking the books off of the bookshelves, we're banning the curriculum in school. Okay. Well then maybe there's going to be a homeschooling movement, but your assumption is that children are not going to have access or their parents, the ones who actually care are not going to now double down on ensuring that their kids have supplemental education. You know, in your book, you know, dying of whiteness, like you talk about the ways you know, the lengths that white people will go to to deny other people access, right? I spoke with Heather McGee the other day who wrote another book, The Some of Us, and she talks about like the drained pool mentality, right? Of we're draining the pools back during uh, integration and so nobody can swim. And so I just wanna like, it's not even a redux, Jonathan, so much as we never got to the core, core. We never got to the there, there. And there was never any accountability. And do you think that the lack of accountability and responsibility is why we are here now?
2: Well, I certainly think there was a lack of of, um, of accountability for sure. But but I have to say, I also think we're here now because they think they can get away with it. Um, you know, I think this is a what they see as a power move. Like now is this moment where they control the courts. There's so much, you know, gummed up racial resentment about politics. The pandemic made people really distrustful of the government. And so I think partially, partially it's about not reckoning with the past, but it's also like, this is an opportunity. And the reason I say that is because even though I agree with you about having little computers in our hands, do you think if this thing keeps going like this, we're going to have easy access to like Wikipedia for kids to just look up, you know, Rosa Parks or um, the, uh, Montgomery bus, bus boycott and stuff like that. I, you know I mean? Try being in China and finding out the history of Tiananmen square. So I don't think this is just going to stop at school, at school curricula if it, if it keeps going like this. And so I really think that the question of kind of what is information, how do you fight for information? To me, that's kind of the terrifying point is that the school curriculum is powerful. Like what people learn is powerful, but I don't think they're going to say, okay. And if you believe that there was a thing called slavery, go ahead and teach your kids this at home. I think, I think, you know, for me, what comes next is limiting the access to what is information. And you can see that already with, uh, with, with textbooks. And, and I don't know, I just, I don't think this thing just stops but where you, it you, is right when now. We,
4: when, of course it doesn't stop unless the people decide that they're going to stop it. Right. But what when you talk about, you know, look at China and we know this, right. We, we know the erasure. We know that there is no access outside of what the government wants you to see on the internet because they control everything. That's something that is nationalized, right? Right now, we have these little pockets and petri dishes. And I'm wondering if because you are on a college campus and this is also what Ron DeSantis is targeting, and this is what you know, the governor in Tennessee is targeting. It is free thought as a whole. And do you think that people, particularly the young people that you are educating, are just like, okay, so they're just going to take it like okay i guess you tell me what i should know and how i should show up and how i should think
2: i'll tell you something really terrifying this is totally anecdotal but i've got colleagues down here who have kids who are in 4th grade or 6th grade or 8th grade um before well before college and my colleagues are very very liberal um and they're telling me, and I've heard this like multiple times out their kids are coming home from school and saying stuff like, haven't women gotten enough rights already? Like, why are they complaining about it or something like that? And so I just think that the, the, the issue is going to be, there are kids now in school who aren't saying like, everybody has a right to access or women fought for the, you know, suffrage or African-Americans fought. And we had the you know, Voting Rights Act or something like that. So I just think the seepage of this kind of assumption, this kind of slow seepage of fascism, that comes in, where people started saying, like, "Why are people complaining about this?" or whatever. Which is not just about the curriculum; it's about kind of common sense and common knowledge. And so it's not it's not the students I'm in college right now. I'm not worried about them. They're really pissed off. Mm-hmm. It's the students who are in like seventh grade right now who are gonna be in college. Down the road, those are the ones I'm really worried about because it's really like when this becomes common knowledge, when this becomes the sense of like, oh, woke is really bad and that kind of stuff, when that is let to percolate from like your friend group from third grade on, and then you come to college, I just think it's going to change the perspective in a way. And so I just think that the curriculum is kind of the tip of the iceberg. And I think right now, students who are in college now. With respect to them, I know it's a hard time are the ones I worry the least about. It's really students are going to be in college 10 years from now uh, that I'm concerned about.
4: But they're going to be in college 10 years from now being taught by the 20-somethings that are experiencing this moment. This is the problem that I have these days with like the vacillating between hopelessness and being hopeful and the recognition that like this isn't anything that's new. And that's why I started off the conversation talking about Ruby Bridges. This is not new, right? For black and brown people in this country, we have always had to piece together our own history, our own understanding, and find ourselves in the stories that were not told, right? Like I was in high school talking with the president of the school board to try and create a black history curriculum in my all white school, right? That was like a hundred years ago. And so I don't want people to just feel despondent, like, oh, well, you know, there's nothing that we can do and there's no there's no fight left to have here, because this is the same fight that we have been having as a country for hundreds of years.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt. This is the same exact fight.
4: Literally the same exact yeah. fight.
2: Yeah. And I think certain people are not surprised. They're like, oh, man, welcome, <laughs> welcome to my world. And other people are like, oh, I thought we were on a, a more... Progress narrative, but I will say that as a college educator, nobody's ever. I mean, you know, I, I teach all kinds of students from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of ideologies. The best classes I have are the ones where we debate contested ideas and look at all sides. It's not like I'm trying to. Make people into any kind of voters or any kind of citizens. I want them to like think critically and tell them, you know, I've, I taught a class on the pandemic. I teach a class on masculinity. I teach a class on guns in America. And my my whole role as an educator is to say, hey, look, there are different ways of looking at this, and I don't want you to think that there's like A to B. Now, I will say that a lot of this, a lot of this stuff, you know, I, I think that for me the reason I'm optimistic is because I just think that the Desantis curriculum just really completely underestimates how smart people are, you know? Yeah. Um, People are critical thinkers, right? It's like the people they're imagining as like going into this, I don't know, I don't know five people who are just going to want to learn like robots like that. Like that's not how you get ahead in the world. You learn, you get ahead by thinking from multiple viewpoints. Yeah. And so- Like
4: I, I think just to that point real quick is that your ability to have jobs, right, where you are- you have an Asian team and a Middle Eastern team, meaning that like you're in a global company, the likelihood of that is more so, not less than. And so for people, in order to be competitive, you have to have critical thought. Otherwise, all you're doing is setting yourself up to like be a cog in a machine and we don't even create factories anymore. Like we don't we don't build shit here. We send it all overseas. And so- a part of this is about the dumbing down of America, but it's also our inability to be competitive globally.
2: I mean, look at Florida. They're having untrained military veterans and their completely untrained spouses. spouses teach. So what are you going to get from that? You're not going to get people who are going to compete globally. You're going to get people who can work in factories. So I think the, the whole idea of this is to create a working class and an elite class. I mean, I think that's the, that's the, um, Mm -hmm. that's the plan. (laughs) So, um, so it's tough, man. I mean, you know, we have a lot of students who come here from really disadvantaged backgrounds, not even, you know, of all kinds of disadvantaged backgrounds, you know, people who grew up in very poor settings across this country who come here and they, they're going to be the leaders of tomorrow. And I just think you're really putting poor students at a real disadvantage, obviously, when you just assume that their lot in life is to is to work in a factory. Yeah, work in a factory or serve.
0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer-founded, queer-run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com.
3: The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount+, and the stakes have never been higher.
4: Real quick, Jonathan, I want to switch gears before I let you go, which is Senator Rand Paul earlier in the week tweeted a picture that I sent you. And I mistakenly, when I was doing my video on TikTok, said that it was his son. It's not. It's a constituent. It's not his son. son. And for folks who haven't seen the picture or haven't seen my TikTok video where I put the correction in the caption, Rand Paul has his arm around a young white boy who wore a sweatshirt to school of AR-15s turned into the American flag. And rightfully so, the young man was disciplined. Rand Paul took to Twitter to say, can you believe that this young boy was disciplined for wearing this sweatshirt? Yeah, you fucking dummy. I can actually. Because school shootings are a norm in America. And they're normally perpetuated by young white people. Boys. So I just wanted to get your reaction to the fact that, again, if that were a black or brown boy that were wearing that same sweatshirt, I'm sure Rand Paul would be the first one to say, look at that thug. Right. But here he is with his arm around this white boy who is what growing up to be the next Kyle Rittenhouse. Unclear.
2: Well, I know a great book that you're going to be able to read about this exact topic coming out next January. Written by me. Um, but I will say that this is not an empty signifier that we just passed a bill two weeks ago here in Tennessee or is, is being voted on where they lowered the age of open and concealed carry of long guns to 18. Um, now, as I recall, people 18 are still in high school, possibly. Um, mm-hmm. And so you can they are going to have 18 year old people who can open carry an AR-15 or an AK-47 down Broadway here, in front of the Capitol building, whatever, that kind of thing. So it's not just about a sweatshirt. It's about um, this sense of, like, I'm a victim and therefore I turn to gun rights to, like, um, get my respect back or get Mm -hmm. my Mm -hmm. response to my Mm -hmm. victimhood. But it's not just sweatshirts, at least in Tennessee. It's not just sweatshirts. Um, And and I just think the idea of, like, 18-year-olds carrying AK-47s is terrifying. And then on college campuses across the South, they have what's called campus carry where people can carry weapons on campus because they might, um, you know, you kind of see a threat everywhere, then you need a gun. And um, just the thought of like people going to fraternity keg parties with their weapon with and stuff strapped. like that. like, uh-huh. And, and the, the the really hard part is like, I mean, getting back to campuses, like college campuses have been the safest places in the country for people in the eighteen to twenty-two year old demographic, specifically because weapons are limited, uh, you know, on college campuses. But that's all being overturned, and so as much as I think a sweatshirt sucks, I mean, from where I'm sitting in Tennessee right now, give me a sweatshirt any day to like, you know. But it's it's
4: not just it's not about the clothing; it's about the ideology that it course. is perpetuating, and there, right, can, and there, that's yeah.
2: They're connected. They're connected.
4: Yeah. And the policies that they are activating based on this thought that like, that's a good image that you want to see, which is a young white boy wearing an AR-15 flag because the this Republican Party doesn't pledge allegiance to the same flag and have the same values that this country was sort of kind of formed out of off the back of slavery. Jonathan, I just want to, once again, thank you for making the time and squeezing us in today on Woke AF. We appreciate you and are waiting with bated breath for January 2024 for your new book.
2: Coming soon. Take care, everybody.
4: That is it for me today, dear friends, on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck.